So it's good to be here this morning, and we're uh, moving towards our, our covenant service in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, we've got the General Director of the Baptist Union of Scotland coming to, to lead us in that service, uh, which we think is going to be a really significant service for the church, because we want to mark the end of an old thing and the beginning of a new thing, which is what covenant does. And, and it's an affirmation of the people of God saying, we are moving into this new thing that God has for us. In resolving what has gone before, we, we recognize the need to have a period of repentance and reconciliation, and, and we're inviting people to do that in order to deal with the past, and we encourage you, if you have issues, to deal with those issues, okay? Not hang on to them. You know, sometimes we get so used to our issues, it kind of becomes our identity. And, uh, and you know, it doesn't help the body of Christ, and, and sometimes you have to let those things go. Uh, and so we would encourage you, as you move towards this covenant, to do that. We're going to have an affirmation of the leadership of SBC, uh, just because we feel you know, there's a need to do that, and, a, and a, a restoration and an affirmation of the relationship between congregation and leadership within SBC, because that's important as we go forward into what God has for us. We're then going to have a, a, a service of communion, uh, where hopefully we're going to be welcoming quite a lot of new members. If you're interested in membership, by the way, speak to me afterwards. don't know if we can get it done before the covenant service, but, but we certainly would like to talk to you. We've got quite a few people that are looking at becoming members. And then we're going to say our covenant together and affirm as God's people that we're moving into the new thing that God has for us. In the evening, we're going to have a celebration as I think we have four people being baptized now. We've got another three for Easter. Uh, so we've probably got one or two more slots for Easter. So if you want to get baptized, get in there quickly. Uh, we can always do another one for Pentecost. But, uh, but, uh, but it's, it's great to see what's going on as we come together to affirm the future that God has for us. Now, as part of that, we have to face some of the significant challenges that we are facing as a church community. And you know, it's been encouraging to see the people coming in, see people getting converted, see people getting baptized. But there are also very significant challenges that we have as a fellowship. And, and again, if you've been party to SBC for any time, you'll know about these challenges. One of the most significant challenges that we face is in relation to our finances. And uh, I, I want to speak really frankly this morning uh, so forgive me if you're watching online and you're not necessarily part of SBC. I'm going to just talk to SBC for a little while, uh, for a few minutes, and then uh, we'll hopefully <laughs> we'll go on and look at the Bible and, and, and stuff that's pertinent. But I said it a few weeks ago. In fact, no, it was last week. It goes by fast. Uh, that, that I wrote an essay when I was an undergraduate about, about Jerusalem and the destruction of Jerusalem and the scattering of the people of God and, and, and the idea that Judah had no right continuing to exist after that experience and what had happened to them. But God did something. And, and it reconstituted the people of God and gave them a future and a new purpose. And, and, and that, that kind of we're in that place again, but for God. And then 
you know, when I come to talk about our finances, that's very much an affirmation. We need to see God do something. And, and earlier uh, last year, we were sitting facing a very similar dilemma in terms of SBC community. As some of you know, we, we do a lot of community work we, with the Haven up at the top of the town and with the Life Center next door. And, and we engage with our community in lots of different ways. And, and that's brilliant work but, to do. And it's right that we do it, but it's altruistic. Um, it's generally we give and, and very little tends to come back to the church. And, and sometimes it's frustrating because we care for people, we look for people, and, and, and sometimes we don't see much movement in terms of their situation. So it, it's always interesting as workers, you, you go from highs of seeing great things happen in people's lives to the lows of disappointments of things not happening. And, and we were concerned about SBC community and the funding of it because we, we recognized that there had been significant transitions in SBC and we were wondering how on earth we were going to fund this. Uh, I mean, uh, because as you'll see in a moment, we're struggling to fund the church. So how are we going to fund SBC community and all our outreach work and things? And, uh, but God... And um, this morning, as I stand up to talk to you, because of the, the things that happened, we, we identified a fundraiser, a friend of Alec, our treasurer, and uh, not a Christian, but she was kind of God's means of grace. And, and through her work and things, we've now been able to fund the work of SBC community in a way that it's not 100% secure, but it's secure enough for the next two years going forward. And, and, and it's been miraculous, I use that word, miraculous, in terms of the way that we've secured that funding in the midst of a place where everybody's looking for funding. And yet the work of SBC has been recognized and acknowledged by various agencies, including the Bank of Scotland, I'll get that, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and it's supporting our work going forward in terms of SBC community. So that weight was lifted off us. But it left us with the challenge, and we knew this challenge was going to come in terms of church financing. I'm told that um, in Chinese, the word crisis is made up of two characters, the word for danger and the word for opportunity. And there's an element of that in terms of where we are. There is a danger, but there is also an opportunity. Let me explain simply where we've kind of arrived at. Paul, Paul in his letter to Corinthians, he, he, he uses an agricultural analogy. He says, you know, if you sow seed, you reap harvest. And the inference being, if you don't sow seed, you won't reap harvest. Okay, I, I know we've now got some farmers in the church, so that's good. And so they'll get that analogy. Hopefully we'll all get that. Okay, it's very simple. And, and the problem that we had in terms of COVID is it created a sewing problem for us. Every year, because we're a large community gathered congregation, SBC tended to lose 20 to 25 people for various reasons. Sometimes people would move away. Sometimes people would die. Sometimes people would leave the church. And each year, it tended to be around... 20 to 25 people. Sometimes it was higher, sometimes it was lower. But that was kind of roughly where it worked out at. And, uh, and you, you, uh, these people would leave, but thankfully, people would arrive. 
And so people would come and they would make up the loss of those individuals. And, and that's kind of the agricultural cycle of the church. And in fact, the church grew and developed and our finances grew and developed and the congregations grew and developed because we had more people coming than less people going out. But by the way, it doesn't take much for growth. So two people leave every month, three people come in. Uh, you have growth. <laughs> and, uh, so it, it, and, and over time, we saw SBC grow. It became one of the largest Baptist churches in Scotland as we saw that process. But when COVID came, the attrition continued to happen. So people continued to leave SBC, uh, either move away or they would die or some people leave. In fact, in fact we, we found people leaving became more acute because the ties that bound, we, we find that virtual, we like virtual church, but it's not the same as in person. And the ties that bind on virtual are not as strong as actually in person. And, and we found that the issues that people had maybe for a very long time, they suddenly didn't have the ties that bind to cause them to stay in place to deal with those things. Others, because the ties that bind didn't exist, we find that things that normally they would have stayed and worked through with a congregation was enough to make them leave. And, and, and so you saw this attrition factor going on in the life of the church, and we've been seeing it. And, and um, that's created an issue for us because in that attrition, we haven't had the people arriving because for two years we had COVID, which basically meant that we had very small numbers of people coming in to the church. Since COVID, that's changed. So, uh, and as you look around this morning, lots of new people, new faces, new individuals, and it's great and, and it's wonderful. And uh, it's, it's so exciting to, to see that and to be part of that. The problem we have though is, and we knew about this before, is that there was always a lag in new people coming in and old people going out. Uh, so, so roughly, we, we looked at it, and when we looked at this, we saw it takes two years for a new person to come in, feel part of SBC, or feel engaged with SBC, and starting to support SBC, the two-year lag when we looked at it, as scientifically as we could, okay, as, uh, uh, as, as best we could. And uh, so, so, although we've got new people coming in, and, you know, the church is relatively full, and there's a real buzz, the reality is that we have this two-year lag. So we have two years where we have a major issue in terms of our fan financing. And uh, the details will be presented by our treasurer. But that's basically what we have. We have this period of time where the people now coming in and the growth of the church that's happening with the individuals coming and being part of the church is not offsetting the people that have been leaving and what's been going on. And so that has left us with a major challenge. Now, if that wasn't hard enough, okay, post-COVID, we now have inflation, we now have cost of living, and hey-ho, our demographics are changing. The people that are coming into the church uh, tend to be younger uh, and tend to be not as affluent as some of the older people that have been leaving. And uh, so that's just to make it even more complicated. You can see how much fun church leadership is at this time. And uh, so we are facing one of the most significant issues 
This church has faced, certainly since I've been here, in terms of our financing. That's the, that is the bottom line. And again, the figures will be provided by the treasurer, and you will see this. Um, so what's our response? Now, given this situation, it would be really tempting for me to stand up here and do a kind of talk that's all about you need to respond and rise to this challenge and meet the gap, the next two-year gap, in order to get us to our future that God has for us over the next two years. And it would be easy to do that. But, but I once was reminded of, a, or I was reminded as I was thinking of this, of a church I once saw. And uh, let's go up to this next picture. Which had a big thermometer outside because they were raising money, I think, to fix the roof or something. You may have seen these. And, uh, you know, hey, we have 20,000 towards our new roof, and we've still got another 30,000 to go. Why don't you all give and everything? You... And then beside it, the statement, all welcome. And uh, you're kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> What's going on here? So you'll be glad to know, I'm not going to preach that kind of sermon this morning. What I am going to do is I'm going to take us through the basics of biblical giving and how it should work. And, and the reason I'm going to do this is because I believe that if we are obedient and we engage with the principles of biblical giving, then God will release the resources that we require. I think that's what 2 Corinthians 9 is talking about. Paul here is, is describing a situation where the church in Jerusalem had suffered a famine. The harvest had failed. And so the crops that they needed and required for bread and to feed the people had not arrived. And so the church in Jerusalem and Judea was facing an imminent crisis. And yet there was an affluent church in Corinth. And they had resource and they had supply. And Paul was turning to them and saying, you know, guys, there is a responsibility in the body of Christ to respond to these elements of need. But he said, I want you to think through what that requires. And the first thing he says is that everything you have belongs to God. Verse 10 of 2 Corinthians says this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Uh, people have been commenting that we have a kind of African influence in the, the church now, and I, I kind of love the African vibe, and uh, it's been great to, to, to share, and folks like Jonathan have, have certainly added to our worship. But you know, and I, I know they would do this in Africa, they do this in Pentecostal as well. They would take these promises and say, we're going to claim these for our church. And, and here it says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Do we believe it? Yes. Amen. <laughs> See, we're getting Pentecostals. Good. <laughs> Reimagining the church. <laughs> you know, this isn't about human beings. I know you all think, oh, this is all about human beings and it's all about economics and everything. But it's not. It's about God and his resources. It's about God's plans for the future of SBC. It's about what God is calling us to as a community. And ultimately, everything we have belongs to God. You know, I, I, uh, 
I know some of the cities that we're seeing in the earthquake in Turkey and, uh, and in Syria. The city, the ancient city of Antakya, the city of Antioch, I know really well. Uh, I was even going to buy a house there. It was good I didn't. And, uh, but but, but uh, and that city is flattened, destroyed. And you look at it in a moment, everything taken from people. Just the sort of transformation. And, and actually, it makes you realize how incredibly fragile our lives are. Yeah, I've been having conversations with people whose businesses now are on the brink of bankruptcy, who are facing financial ruin. In a moment, things change dramatically. And, 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 and Paul is trying to get over to us. You know what? Material stuff is fragile. And ultimately, it comes from God. And you have to understand that you are stewards of whatever you have. And, and, and maybe God has blessed you with lots of stuff. And that's great. Maybe you haven't blessed with quite so much stuff. But nevertheless, whatever you have, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little, ultimately you have been given that by God. And if you don't see and understand that, you will never be able to engage in terms of biblical practices of giving. Because we begin with the affirmation that everything ultimately comes from God. Ultimately, that's why we have an assurance as we, we walk into these things. Now, the simplest way I can kind of explain what this means for us in terms of our discipleship is that if we are serious about God, we will honor God. That passage that we read from Leviticus was all about this fact that bring your first fruits. So when you gather your harvest, bring your first fruits and honor God. Recognize God. That giving is part of the DNA of Christian discipleship. Giving is part of what we're about. And, and, and it's an essential element. Paul suggests here in 2 Corinthians that as we give, we kind of get release in other areas. And, uh, and that as we give, it helps our righteousness. It helps us impact the world around us. And, and it kind of, as God sees us giving, he kind of entrusts us with more. That's why whenever you have a finance issue, the worst thing you can do is not give. As a church, the worst thing we can do is go into defensive mode. That's the worst thing you can do. It's actually not how God works. And uh, I know treasurers hate that thought, but that's true. And, and, uh, because God blesses those who have faith, who say we have a God, and this isn't ultimately about the economics, it's about our God and his provision for his people. That doesn't mean we're stupid uh, in the way that we act, but it nevertheless affirms faith. And, and when we come to giving as disciples of Jesus, we have to look at how we use our finances and say, am I reflecting my faith in God and my honoring of God in the way that I'm using my money? Well, that's a, a very simple question to ask ourselves. And uh, I, I, I once had a friend, and he said, you know, I teach my kids from the earliest, and, and it's good to teach your children this from very early on, that whenever you get money, you should do maybe three things with it. You should save some, you should spend some, and you should give some away. And, and, and that's a healthy way to function. And, and, and all of us, should have an element of balance. And, and some of us need to look at kind of the balance that we have, particularly in the way that we spend and the way that we give. Sometimes we spend and we don't give. And that's unhealthy. That's not good for our discipleship. 
uh, equally, some of us give and we never spend. I don't think that's necessarily a biblical model either. I know the aesthetics amongst us love that idea. But, but I don't think that's a biblical model either. There's a balance, but in that balance, there is a giving. And so the question we ask ourselves, and, and every year we do this in church, we have to ask ourselves, you know, am I giving in the way that God wants me to giving? Is my giving in balance with the rest of my life? Am I reflecting discipleship to Jesus in the way that I support others? That may be the church and other things. I, I think if you're part of the church, you should also support the church. But it's a question we all have to ask ourselves. And, uh, and again, it's not for others to judge that, but that's for you to determine. Second thing that I think we see in this passage in 2 Corinthians is that each one of you is called. It says in verse 7, each one of you should give. And, and I was sort of thinking about this. Each one of you. See, SBC will not resolve the underlying financial issue that we have just by a few people giving. It requires all of us as SBC to participate. And, and, and immediately when I say that, some people go, but we haven't got much money. Uh, we're pensioners or we're unemployed or we're students or, you know, uh, we're not in a situation where we have great affluence and, you know, life is tough at the moment. And, and that's totally true. And again, I, I don't believe you should give in a way that isn't reflective of your circumstances. Nevertheless, each one of us is called to give. And uh, when Jesus taught about giving in Mark chapter 12, he talks about this giving that each one of us does. And he, he took a widow who came in and she threw in, uh, it's called the widow's mite. It's the smallest coin that you can get. I've actually got one at home. Unfortunately, I left it. And, uh, but we have a picture. But just to give you an idea, this is exactly the size of it. Um, uh, uh, you won't be able to see it. But that's the size of a widow's mite. It's tiny. It's tiny. And what Jesus was doing in Mark 12 was he was saying, as this woman gives, as she throws in this tiny little coin that, you know, to anyone it would be like, you know, shouldn't you be praising the guys that are coming in and writing the big checks? <laughs> and, and Jesus says, no, this woman, this woman demonstrates because she takes the little that she's able to give and she still honors God with that little. And, and, and again, I, I believe that the biblical pattern is that each one of us is called to participate in this. And, 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 you know, as we, we go into, we're going to have a gift day in March. And I would encourage all of us to be thinking about what is my response to this. And, and that doesn't mean you need to write checks for hundreds of pounds. Maybe some of you will. But it does mean that you say, God, what is my response? I'm part of this community. How am I going to help respond to this issue that this community is facing now? What's my response in relation to this? Third thing that Paul then goes on to say in verse 7 is that each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Someone said to me last week, 
Uh, I hope you're going to mention tithing when you talk about giving. And uh, I always like people when they say that. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and tithing, for those that don't know, is the biblical principle. It was there in Leviticus that you give the first fruits of your, your earnings and your labor to God. And uh, it sort of it's 10% of that. And you, you give that. And, and some places that, you know, it's like, you have to give 10% of your income to support the church. I was hearing yesterday morning about the mosque. If you go to the mosque just down the road, that's what they'll tell you as we walk in the door. First 10%, uh, that's to be given to the mosque and, uh, and used to support others. And, uh, and, and, sort of, and I know some people really like that, and it makes it all very simple. But, but the problem is, Paul presents a picture of giving here that isn't quite so simple. He presents a picture of giving here which talks about being open to the Spirit of God. And, and so here's the thing. As we, as God's people, face the financial challenges that we face, we have to go to God and say, God, how are you going to sort this? <laughs> because God, we are relying on you and we recognize that everything comes from you. So we're recognizing that. And God, what are you prompting me to do in relation to this? Paul says, respond to the Spirit. I was talking about this last week. What is the response and the calling of the Spirit? Now, for some people, that response is, is probably going to be, and I know people are facing the cost of living crisis and things, and God's going to say maybe, it's okay. You know, I, you, you've got to sort out your situation at the moment. You're under financial issues. You're under pressures and things like that. Give a widow's mite. You know, so have the discipline of giving. But it's not going to be significant. Others of you, I think the Spirit of God might be calling to say, what is God doing in terms of your response? Some of us have resources that can help us bridge this gap between where we are now and the future in terms of two years' time. And God might be challenging you in terms of that. The question is, and, and the issue is, that we have to be responsive to what God is saying. Paul says this, he says, I don't want people to give reluctantly or under compulsion. And that, that should be the state in which we respond to giving. It should be a response to God's spirit in our lives. And saying, God, what do you want me to do in relation to this? And, and so here's the challenge. The challenge is develop the discipline of giving, however small that might be in your life. But develop that discipline because that's part of Christian discipleship. But also be open to the Spirit of God and say, God, what are you calling me to do in terms of this situation and where we are at this time? As a church, we're going to actually have a week of prayer. It's not directly to deal with all of this, but it's part of that. It's part of calling out to God and saying, God, we believe you have a future for SBC. We believe you have a purpose for SBC. Lord, what is that going to be? And what part have I got to play in that future? Verse 8 goes on to say, God is able to make all grace overflow to you, so that because you have enough of everything in every way at all times, you will overflow in every good work. Let's be Pentecostal again. What's that verse say? Because you have enough of everything 
You have enough of everything. Why? Because God comes through in every way. So in every area, in every department, in every aspect of the life of the church, there will be the sufficient resources to enable what God's calling us to do at all times so that we will overflow in every good work. The church will be resourced, not so it can exist and kind of maintain its own life, but so it can be a force for transformation and change in the world. So that God will make provision for that so that SBC can continue to do all of its work, see the lives transformed that we're going to be seeing in the next couple of weeks as people are baptized. The question we've got to ask ourselves is, you know, God, what part have I to play in that? And as I say, for some of you, God might be saying, it's not part, it's not a calling for you at this moment. Others, it's that discipline of the widow's might. But others, it's actually saying, God, what are you saying in terms of where I am in my finances? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for that declaration of Corinthians that you are able to make all grace overflow. Lord, we just pray for the overflow of your grace towards us. Lord, we pray that we would have enough for everything that we believe you're calling us to do. Lord, we pray that we would have the provision to meet the times that we're living in. Lord, that we would be able to overflow and express your transforming power in our community and in our situation. Help us in our own personal lives to develop the discipline of giving. Help us to understand that the call of discipleship is about honoring you in every aspect of our lives, including our finances. But Lord, also help us to be open to your spirit, to the promptings of what your spirit is saying to us. Lord, help us to be a people who see your grace, who see your provision, who cry out, we were lost, but God changed the situation. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.